0: Guys, do you think this movie was more grim or more dark?
1: I don't know. I think it was kind of grim-dark. Ow. What's wrong?
2: I just cut myself on the edge.
0: Hello, satirists, and welcome to Swords and Satire, the podcast where we turn low fantasy into high art. I'm your dungeon manager, Jamie Mokul,
2: here with my fellow pilgrims and Puritans. I'm Jack Olander, a 1600s shovelman. I shovel dirt. I shovel poop. I'll do anything. You know, it's a living.
1: And I'm Chelsea. Uh. Pagan healer.
0: Hmm. Keep your filthy pagan magic away from me.
1: You listen. The earth has more power than your Christian God. You remember that. I
0: I can live with that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, this week we watched 2009's Solomon Cain, directed by Michael J. Bassett, Starring James Purifoy, Max von Sydow, Rachel Hurd Wood, Mackenzie Crook, Ian White, uh, Peter Postelwaite, Alice Krieg, etc., etc. Based on the classic Solomon Kane character created by—let me look through my notes here—Conan creator Robert E. Howard.
1: That's right.
0: Wow. For those of you, who, for those of you who aren't familiar, Solomon Kane is a uh, Puritan warrior who used to be a pirate. I uh, I don't know anything about the book character. This is basically my only experience with Kane is uh, through this movie. Me and too.
1: It's kind of confusing.
0: Yeah, All I don't I know, know. I don't know how much this matches any of the actual origin stories.
2: All I know is he was. Seemingly a pirate. He was the captain of a ship in the 1600s for England. That tracks. He w- uh, The movie starts with him killing Muslims in North Africa. I uh, should go
1: into the yeah, summary. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, that, this is a context for his background. Okay. Which means he was definitely a slave trading pirate if it's the 1600s. Probably. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Probably yes. true. Yes.
0: That's a troubling thought. Yes. He did
1: say he did many terrible, evil
0: things. It's true. Wait, has he also uh, committed every human crime? Like uh, like that cat from the movie Cats? Oh my God!
2: <laughs> or broken every human law? Idris Elba cat, what have you done? That's true. Oh no.
1: It was a dark time in Idris's life when he needed to take that role.
2: It's true. <laughs> <laughs> we
0: all sit in silent contemplation of the horror that is cats I'm
2: just remembering the scene where he takes off his clothing He's just like a panther, naked <laughs> isn't,
0: just... isn't he somehow the most naked of the cats? Yeah But yeah. let's not get too deep in the cats <laughs> That's not what we're here to do, guys Let's talk about Solomon Kane.
1: Yes, why not? Sure. That's the movie we watched.
0: That is definitely the movie we just watched and did not spend the whole time crying and doing other things.
1: I definitely didn't fall asleep at any point during the movie.
0: See? <laughs> so on that note, <laughs> like
1: looking let's, down.
0: let's have the person who totally did not fall asleep give us a little summary.
2: Yeah. Oh, this is going to be great.
1: I know enough. <laughs> yeah.
2: When did you fall asleep?
1: During the final fight scene. Eh. That seems to happen to me a lot.
0: That's fair. <laughs>
1: um, It's like the least interesting part of most films.
0: <laughs> Sadly. Okay. As okay. opposed to the, or uh, that's where you have to follow the Princess Bride uh, philosophy, where the first fight scene is the best fight scene.
1: Exactly. Hmm. When you still have everybody's attention. Yeah. So as Jack preempted, here <laughs> we <start>. pirated. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, Solomon Kane is an unsavory character, pillaging and rampaging his way across. Arabic lands
0: uh North Africa uh, Muslim lands I would imagine in 1600. 1600
1: yeah and, the year uh, of
0: our Lord
1: he claims to be <laughs> fighting uh, against witchcraft and sorcery but he's really just there to you know get all them gains as in all the gold
0: yeah he, and he's all the jewels he's in it for the booty <laughs> the mm-hmm.
1: shiny booty
0: I mean we're all in it for the shiny booty <laughs> <laughs>
2: You got that right. Amen to that. Polish it up, so, everybody.
1: Edge Lord Kane <laughs> can steal all the gold from this one keep, where he dabs on all the Arabic colonizers. Oof. Um, the fucking Devil's Reaper is just sitting there on the throne, waiting for him to show up, and he says he's come to collect on the Devil's due, and. Edgelord Kane (laughs) has no idea what the fuck he's talking about. Now,
0: we know that Solomon is edgy at this point because he's got the goatee of edginess.
1: Exactly.
0: And he shot that dude who surrendered in the face. And he shot the other dude in the back. He He shot his own uh, dude in the back.
1: It's also that solid smirk.
0: (laughs) That's my favorite Metal Gear
2: character is solid smirk. Oh, liquid so, <laughs> smirk.
1: He refuses to just surrender. He fights back against the Reaper and escapes. And we find him a year later trying to live a life of pacifism to avoid his fate in hell. <laughs> and and this
0: totally works out for him, and the rest of the movie is just following him being a peaceful uh pilgrim
2: puritan, right? A PPP. <laughs> He becomes a youth Christian rapper. (laughs) (laughs) It might
1: be part of the uh, rewriting history. I was going to say,
0: I I smell a (laughs) (laughs) spinoff.
1: So he's trying to live a pious life in a monastery, but uh, the head priest is kind of like, you know what, dude, this isn't working out so much anymore. If it was up to me, I'd let you stay, but God kind of wants you to leave.
0: Oh, man, that's really rough. That's like the, the whole, hey, man, you could say if it was up to me, but my girlfriend really says that we like need the space to ourselves. Yeah, I'm going to
2: say... It, God is uh, the girlfriend in this scenario. Yeah, I was going to say landlord, personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Everyone um, does love God, though. <laughs> so he's kicked
1: yeah. out. He kind of becomes a pilgrim. He gets uh, beat around the head a little bit by some ruffians, and he's saved by a family who's... Also on the road, uh, I guess they're pilgrims too?
0: The Crowthorns.
1: (laughs) Crowthorns. It's kind of unclear why they're just traveling around with their wagon.
0: Uh, I'm pretty sure it was religious persecution. Oh. I picked that up through context clues, but we'll talk about more of that in a little bit.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they nurse him back to health after he got injured, and um, he's... Trying to, he's trying really hard to live a, a life of path, pacifism
0: and piousness. Yes, the other two mm. P's and pietyism. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just condense it down into that.
1: And um, the father of the other family what was your name.
0: The Crowthorns. So William Crowthorne is the the patriarch of the family.
1: So, the father of the family, William Crowthorn tells him that he's on the path to redemption. All he has to do is stick with that path and God will forgive him. He won't go to hell. And uh, Solomon kind of clings to that hard because he's just trying to avoid his own fate.
0: I'm pretty sure that Cain is trying to, like, replace his father figure because he basically takes everything that William says as, like, the strictest word of God. (laughs) For no especially... Uh, like, defined reason.
1: So, he defends them against a witch who marks the daughter, William's daughter. Meredith. Meredith.
0: Gives her the black spot. Yes. Or something.
1: Um, and not too long after that, uh, the family is attacked and the youngest son is killed because Solomon refused to fight back. What a but chump. Then That death sends him into a flying rage, and he vows to kill all of them for killing the little kid.
0: I guess much in the same way that Cain takes everything William says as, like, the word of God. Like, this family completely believes that Cain is capable of cutting down about 30 men. And, I mean, granted... He can, we see, but, like, they don't really have any reason to believe that he's as much of a badass as he keeps saying he is. So,
1: the uh, daughter ends up getting abducted despite Solomon's best efforts.
0: Totally gifts God,
1: And he is on a mission to save her, so he's trying to follow all of the slavers around and fight against them and free all the slaves he can, trying to find uh this is in england by the way which we did not preface at all (laughs) we might have um so he's trying to find uh meredith so that he can save her bring her back to her mother who's the only other surviving member of their family and um he ends up thinking that she's dead and he gets super drunk and then crucified, you know, as as these things tend to happen.
0: Dude, it was a rough night of drinking. You know how it goes. Have some brews. Get crucified. Pretty standard Friday. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: And before he completely gives up, lo and behold, there is Meredith in a cage, yelling out to be saved to him. And he pulls himself off of the cross. Oof. <laughs> and gets saved by a band of
2: Rebels?
0: Former
1: crewmates of his, I think? One of them is.
2: Both. Yeah.
1: And uh, there's rebels who are fighting back against this guy that is controlling all of the ruffians in the area named Malachi. He's a former priest and healer turned sorcerer.
0: Classic former Mm. priest and healer.
1: So he seems Mm. to be possessing all of the brigands that were in this area uh, somewhere around Sussex or something like that.
0: It's in England.
1: <laughs> so the rebels get a pagan healer who uh, gives Solomon some guff <laughs> and she heals his
0: wounds. By the way, her pagan magic totally fucking works super well. Yeah. yeah. Heals his crucifixion scars like in a matter of Hours maybe? Yeah. It seems like it, although based on movie magic it's always
1: hard to tell if things are supposed what time period things are supposed to happen in.
0: That's just the way things were back then.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So he learns that Malachi is holed up in his old keep and he reveals to his rescuers that he is the surviving heir of the Lord of the lands there. And so he knows a secret way into the keep. Mm. And so he leads them through the butt of the castle. (laughs) And they. Classic millennial. (laughs) They have an epic battle in the courtyard against all of Malachi's minions. And he just kind of like yeets out of there and kind of goes in the dungeons and tries to go to where all of the people are being held prisoner to look for uh meredith and he ends up freeing everybody and finds out that his father is down there being kept alive by malachi um there's some kind of magical connection between uh solomon's father and malachi malachi's trying to keep him alive because that's the only way he'll be able to maintain control over the area
0: at least that's what his father seems to think. We don't see any evidence of this.
1: Maybe he just was down there for so long he had to create...
2: A <laughs> All, his own backstory. <laughs> There's yeah. no way he'd keep me alive for no reason, right? Yes. There must be some magical purpose.
1: <laughs> and this is when his father tells him that Marcus, Solomon's older brother, who Solomon thought he had killed when he was younger, um, is old Leatherface... The, the lieutenant that's been going around and ordering all the brigands to round up the villagers as prisoners. We're not really sure what they're being used for, by the way.
0: Prisoners. They're, <laughs> they're being used as prisoners.
1: Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, he can't free his father, so he just fucking kills him. And
0: then. He yeah, and him. he
2: really gives in pretty quick. He gives him the gaps. That's what he does. <laughs> yeah. He shoots him in the chest.
0: Solomon commits patricide and fratricide in about a 20 minute span.
1: Yeah, he makes his way up to the throne room, uh, fights Malachi and Marcus, and frees Meredith.
0: Malachi, Marcus, and Meredith. I see how, what this all means. No idea. Wait, don't. what does it mean? I, I have no idea. <laughs>
1: Um, and there's a really uncomfortable scene where she's stroking his face, and I was really worried they were going to kiss, but luckily it didn't happen.
0: I have to assume that they filmed, like, a romantic subplot that mercifully, somewhere along the way, they were like, No, no, we cannot do this between, like, ostensibly a 15-year-old and a 40-year-old. Somebody
1: had better sense.
0: Yeah, thankfully.
1: And, uh... That's about the end of it. It just kind of alludes to him going around and fighting against the forces of darkness vaguely after that.
0: Presumably killing more heathens and witches and um, other unclean people? Quote, unquote. Quote, unquote. (laughs) Well, now that we're done with the summary, I think it's time to get into the delve. Where we talk about everything else about this movie that we want to talk about. The themes, the... Imagery, the making of, and anything else. So, guys, what's the deal with mirrors in this movie?
1: Jack had a good idea about that.
2: So, I was thinking, right, that... Right. ...at the beginning of this film... When they're in northern Africa. Oh yeah. In that castle they're storming, right? There's a hall of mirrors. Right, with the blowjob of, demons. Yes. Inside the mirrors. <laughs> yes. yes. They
1: had so many teeth though.
2: Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I didn't say they were good blowjobs. <laughs> it's the bad suck, certainly. <laughs> and as Solomon is walking past all the mirrors, no problem. Nothing's nothing bad is going on there. But when his crew walks behind, and they're standing in between the mirrors, they get yoinked inside, and they get the bad suck. (laughs) As they're killed off pretty systematically by these Dementors. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then later in the film, when they're in his family's castle, uh, when he goes to fight, you know, the final boss... uh, (laughs) The mirrors are kind of scattered about in the uh, arena. Right. And out of a giant unholy mirror, a colossal chain behemoth demon awful hell beast comes out. And uh, there you go. Mirrors are portals to hell. Evidence presented.
1: That's a good point.
0: I I cannot argue with that flawless logic. Things
1: can be sucked back into hell from them.
0: Yeah. Isn't yeah, that how
1: Solomon got Malachi was by... Help me break this down. Well, I, first
0: he shot him in the fucking head. <laughs>
1: this is about where I was falling asleep, so...
0: <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Maybe you were going through a portal to hell.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he glocked Malachi at that last yeah. scene.
0: He takes the dirty shot as uh, Meredith kind of shoves Malachi off. Malachi turns the cane and Kane just dead-eyes him right right between
2: the eyes. Oh! <laughs> Yeah, he he blew him away. It's pretty graphic.
1: And it seemed like he his essence was being sucked into the mirror portal.
0: It's true. Yeah, and, yeah, Malachi, Marcus, and the demon, or is it just Malachi and the demon get sucked in? And it seems like Cain is gonna get sucked into the portal too, but he doesn't because apparently God has forgiven Cain for all of his sins because saving Meredith with all it took to redeem his soul, I guess. I think he
1: was sacrificing himself to save another, even though he knew that committing violence would lead to a certain doom.
0: And that sacrifice was all he needed to have that sacrifice get instantly reversed.
1: How? What do you
0: mean? Well, he he lives.
1: Oh. (laughs) (laughs) He
0: sacrificed himself, and therefore he survives.
1: Yeah, it's almost like (laughs) living is his penitence. He can't go to heaven. He has to keep living. <laughs>
0: That's fair. I mean, when <laughs> when there's no room left in heaven, the uh, dead will walk there. That's how it goes, right? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I couldn't help but notice, there's like i um, I'd say a pretty subtle religious allegory to this movie. Really? <laughs> Maybe a a slight Christ. Now, see when you you see a slight Christ allegory, right? When Cain is being crucified, that actually mirrors what happens to Jesus in the story of the Bible. Yes,
2: I would also like to, while we're mentioning that crucifixion, not derail, but to bring up. In another piece of work by the same author who wrote Solomon Cain, Conan was also crucified. Oh, really? Yes, uh, on the Tree of Woe.
1: That's right. Good point.
2: That's yes, good point. Right. Bringing it just, back uh, to
0: the very first episode of Swords and
2: Satire. Yep. Yeah. He uh, did he, he contemplate thinking, it on the
0: Tree of Woe?
2: Oh, I think uh, I think he <laughs> he got the message pretty quick. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think Solomon kind of knew. The message before and after he was crucified.
0: Probably. Yeah. He'd heard the good
2: news. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But the religious allegory of this, yes. (laughs) (laughs) It exists. Yeah, it's there.
0: So, yeah, uh, earlier during the summary, we were talking about why um, things are going on, what kind of the action is uh, in the backstory. And um, the Crowthorns kind of allude to this, William especially, Implies that they're experiencing religious persecution. He's asking Cain to come with them to the New World, to America, where they're going to be free. That's right. Because this is the time of the Protestants being kind of forced out of England. Um, That is, I believe, part of the backstory of Cain is going to. I know in the stories he goes to Africa and he goes to America and stuff.
1: Oh, so in English history, But based on whatever the current monarch was following or what their current faith was, it would either swing between Protestantism or something close to that and um, Catholicism. And so whenever one type of ruler was in power, the other religious groups would be persecuted. So around this time, this is... The timeline doesn't totally match up, to be honest, because in 1603, that's when um, Queen Elizabeth I died, and that's the year that her cousin, King James III, took over the throne from Scotland, and he was Catholic. And so it was around 1603 that the Protestants would have been uh, persecuted. And this is 1601.
0: And,
1: yeah. And uh, Queen Elizabeth was a Protestant. And uh, her sister, Mary, bef- who ruled before her, was Catholic. Right. And she persecuted the Protestants when she was in power. Like I'm saying, it goes back and forth. Like
0: <laughs> So that what what you're saying is they, they saw the, the writing on the wall. They figured, hey, there's going to be another persecution. Let's pick up shop and get over to this new world everybody's talking about.
1: Yeah. So the timeline wasn't quite right, but eh, it was just a couple years off. Yeah. Um. Something else about the... Religious implications in this story, which was interesting but also kind of confusing, and it made me think that they, the writers and the director, weren't very clear about what they wanted to communicate. Because the witch, there were witches, right? But
0: like they, actual, not like people being accused of witchcraft, you know, unjustly. Kind of, like legitimate witches with
1: towers. Yeah, and they were working with the devil. Right. But there was... The actual
0: devil. Classic. So that is like
1: the vilification of, uh, in history of maybe female healers or just women who had property. We've talked about this on previous episodes. But there was also a pagan healer who would have been like in other stories, like the one they would typically call a witch who was working with the devil. But she was totally something different in this story who, who
0: kane probably would have been like murderous towards
1: yeah but she's just like another type of healer and he like he just he didn't do anything to her like she just basically told him look my magic works and i healed you so you gotta like just take it i mean
0: <laughs> he he sassed her but she sassed right back exactly so he takes it <laughs> yeah yeah
1: And that's what I was quoting earlier in the episode. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, so I thought that was really interesting and strange at the same time, that she was not lumped in with the witches like she would have normally been in other stories.
0: Do you think that was a conscious choice to kind of lighten the character, or do you think that that has a... I I don't know if that has a basis in any of the stories.
1: I Um, I'm not sure.
0: Because I thought it was interesting, too, that they kind of juxtapose this concept of actual satanic witchery with what they call pagan healing magic that totally works and heals Cain and everything's a okay for him following that yeah so. they
1: separated it out where they're usually lumped together yeah <clears throat> and I'm not sure what they were trying to communicate with that like I was saying it it seems like it's it it's only one scene and one character. That is portrayed as being pagan. And as like maybe it's not necessarily negative. It's just different.
0: Yeah. It's almost a throwaway I, line.
1: I know. So it's it's almost like they weren't. They had it in there. But they weren't really saying anything with it. Hmm. And so it kind of was a little disappointing I guess.
0: You know I want to give this story credit for actually not throwing a lot of the themes in people's faces. Now I'm torn on this. It's possible that they simply didn't want to ruffle any feathers by having any kind of overt religious commentary. But, I mean, other than, like, the crucifixion scene that I understand is a very overt uh, religious reference and everything. (laughs) There's not a lot of else in the backstory of the movie that kind of gets to, like, the persecution and stuff. You kind of have to know the history, or really pay attention to the dialogue to make that connection, or know the character.
1: Christian religious persecution is a pretty common theme in a lot of films, and it's one that uh, most filmmakers are pretty overt about if they're going to use that theme. So, um, I think they wanted to... Subtly create this world that Solomon is a part of so that they could explore his character a little bit more. But I'd be curious to know what Jack thinks about it.
2: Well, it doesn't really focus on it being a realistic Earth setting for very long. The moments where you get implications like that are only in the span of like 20 second shots and stuff like that. And when he's traveling with them, it's maybe like five minute stops before the fantasy aspects of the film come back and the real like prosecution that's happening i'd say in the film is like satan against solomon not right. really the it christians doing it like yeah that.
0: it is a quite literal <laughs> war between god and satan in in one respect
2: yeah not so much god versus god in this one now I don't want to see Solomon working on a slaving pirate ship. That is something I'm happy to do without. But adding some Protestant prosecution to it could have been really cool. Adding parts to it where the Solomon could have been like, you know, most witch stories are fake anyway. Most of it is just like women who own land. Mm-hmm. And then he sees a witch and he's like, fuck! <laughs> And, yeah. uh, yeah, I think that could have been pretty cool, just adding a bit more realism and then suddenly he realizes shit's hitting the fan again. He thought he got away from it, maybe, I'm not so sure. But the movie kind of just throws you right into the fantasy setting when the demons show up
1: Yeah. At, in, like,
2: the first ten minutes or something, less even. And so, expecting, uh, many scenes that would give historical accuracy, uh, it's pretty wishful. That's fair. So we just yeah. don't need it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, way. But it is more really? fantasy. Yeah, yeah.
0: What do you um, mean? This is totally historical. Uh,
1: they kind of allude to some type of history, but you're right. It's not really any history that we had on Earth.
0: Darn. Besides
1: all the like magic and everything. Yeah. That's
0: the real stuff.
1: <laughs> Something else that was a fantasy element that I kind of thought we might want to talk about were uh Solomon's combat skills because they're superhuman in love, like in level. Oh
0: yeah. He, He's got John Wick level killing prowess. It's I true. Know.
1: And he he only gets hurt when he doesn't want to fight back. <laughs>
0: No, it's true. When you point it out it becomes so clear. i I didn't love the message that this movie made about pacifism that uh, like pacifism is a uh, a noble but ultimately futile pursuit
1: right. Yeah, that is kind of the message. They
0: that, that's, yeah, that somebody who has decided to dedicate their life to a peaceful existence will inevitably be drawn back into the bloodshed that they are um, so want to cause. Which is a very common theme in movies. I mean,
2: this is like yeah. this is a
0: tale as old as time, as it were. Yeah, it was like
2: the quote that you did. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it
0: totally does feel like that.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think what was going on there is there's the scene where he's kind of talking to God, calling out, yeah. Is, why yeah, he's, he's like
1: arguing with god <laughs> yeah. yeah
2: yeah it's true what's going on here this big is guy? this yeah, is yeah. right
0: after uh the the crow son is killed yes
2: yeah. yeah yeah when he's saying like if this is what you want to use me for i get it let's go <laughs> right yeah yeah right. but he's all you think he's kind of embracing it there but Not really. He kind of beats himself up for it a lot throughout the film. Not that he doesn't commit hard to violence. He goes all in. (laughs) But in that one scene, he's like, well, I guess God God wants me to be violent. But then the rest of the film, he's like, oh, I'm so sorry, God. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, it's interesting. He doesn't really get that back until the very end. Just that idea that what he's doing is correct. Right. Yeah, even though he knows and has been told that this is his redemption arc by someone who is not a priest. Yeah. Yeah. He still does not have a lot of faith. But it's interesting that the one actual
0: priest character in the movie ends up betraying Solomon. Yeah. He he during the movie he runs into this he goes into this um church and he meets this priest played by uh Mackenzie Crook, who you'd probably know from the British Office and Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, and uh, the priest has uh, a cellar full of these, I guess, kind of zombie mutant creatures.
1: Vampires. Ghouls? Yeah,
0: Ghouls. ghoulish vampires yeah. that eat flesh but are burned by sunlight. Who he tries to feed Cain to. Yeah. So, like, the one, like, actual religious... or Actually, there's a few religious authorities. The first one we meet kicks Cain out of the monastery. The next one shoves him into a pit full of zombies. But it's actually Crowthorne, the Protestant, who is actually proven right throughout the movie. Everything that Crowthorne says is going to happen tends to happen.
2: Yeah, it's true. Also, those priests at the beginning, the ones that kick out Solomon... I was a bit interested in them and how they know so darn much. Because they're like, Solomon, your fate isn't here. You are the son of a noble. You must go claim your inheritance. Your destiny isn't here. And you can't run from your destiny. You gotta go. And you have to face it. And I was like... What we're saying is you got to get the fuck out of here. I know, but it seemed like they were like divination wizards or something. Well, the, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, kind of. I mean, I kind of got the feeling like this is a Christian fantasy movie. Mm-hmm. And so Whoa. in a Christian fantasy <laughs> movie, God speaks to people literally.
0: Well, and the guy so said life. he had a dream. Okay. Oh. The, so the head I think priest.
1: God was speaking to him through the dream then. And so, I think it was, like, God's message that he was speaking to Cain through the priests, you know?
2: Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So,
1: I think it was, like, literally God's will Mm -hmm. in the story.
0: It was God's will that this movie get made. (laughs) yeah.
1: So, another theme I noticed was about karmic debt and facing the responsibility of one's actions and um, the responsibility one has to fulfilling like a social role or your station in life kind Mm -hmm. of but it also was reflected in kind of a karmic debt of one's family members too that it was kind of a collectivist view
0: Uh,
1: of reality
0: right why don't you explain what some of those terms mean for listeners who are not as familiar with them
1: oh well uh collectivism is different from the individualistic culture that we have here in the u.s which you'd be familiar with uh, assuming you're in the u.s right
0: (laughs) or in many other western cultures
1: yeah it's common to western culture an individualistic paradigm includes people's identity is formed around being an individual an autonomous individual And um, in collectivist cultures, one's identity and social standing and the roles one takes on in a social setting are all based on one's relationships to others. Especially
0: family, but also to the community.
1: Right. So in a collectivist culture, you owe your loyalty to your family first and then to your community, as Jamie just mentioned so if somebody in your family uh commits a wrongdoing or does something that would bring you prestige everybody pays or benefits from those things in kind uh, that's associated with those the individuals that make up the group so everybody's social standing and prestige is kind of dependent on everybody else within the collective um so when this happened in solomon kane when he learned that his father was the one who made a deal with the devil, and the devil came to collect on Solomon's head. Right. And um, I was unclear about the deal his father made and what it entailed.
0: That's okay. I think the writers were unclear.
1: <laughs> it wasn't really clearly laid out. He just kind of said that it happened.
0: Listen, classic crossroads well, d- deal with the devil. We all have been there.
1: It was like a nebulous... Thing he said he did to save his older brother Marcus, so
0: sorcery was involved.
1: Right. Um, I guess his father was too ashamed to say what exactly had happened.
0: Something, something evil packed. Something, something.
1: (laughs) Hmm? Fill in details later.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I wish that that was in the line. (laughs) I wish that was you know one of those like caught uh, bad lines in the script where it's like. (laughs) <laughs> you know, Max von Sydow's delivering the, the line. I made a pact, fill in details later, that cursed your soul, Solomon. <laughs> oh, nice.
1: Um, so, it was kind of like a karmic debt that was coming due when the Reaper first tried to come after Solomon. And um, when he finally had to face what he had done as a child and go back to his family home. And when he had to face his brother. Yeah. Who he had thought he had murdered. <laughs>
0: yeah, shoved him off of a fucking cliff.
1: Yeah, so it was interesting how the karma of his own past misdeeds and his families kept trying to bring him out of his new path, and they succeeded in doing so. But it almost seems like he's creating a new karmic path after that, and uh, it's unclear where it's going from there.
0: I have to assume they thought they were going to Sequel City, but they ended up in One Offville.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But one thing I wanted to talk about which was kind of really swingy in this movie Redemption, right? Boom, let's talk about. Cuz that's what the whole thing's about. It's it's his whole, you know, storyline. Yeah. And uh he thinks he needs to be forgiven because he somehow made a deal with the devil, right? he's freaked out cuz yeah. he has no idea how he did that. <laughs> Oopsie. Yeah, but in the very beginning they're like, "Ah, your your soul is damned, Solomon, you're ours." And he's like, "Oh shit." He
0: seems to think it's for all the murder and greed that his life has been filled with. Turns out, I guess it's cuz his bro- uh because his father made a pact with Satan. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's true. So, that might have uh, that might have contributed to why the bad Dude, the demon said that his soul was damned. Maybe it already was, and the deal was there. Right. And perhaps him turning to a life of piety afterwards kind of got rid of the whole manslaughter thing. I'm pretty sure this was just purely murder. Yeah, just <laughs> murder. Countless murder. But, uh, yeah, so. Dishonorable murder, too. Yeah. But, the, so what we decided was kind of that. His self-sacrifice was the redemption that we were looking for, right? But it had to come at the expense of him killing the sorcerer as well, and his brother, and yeah. a lot of other people.
0: Yeah, actually had to kill his brother this time.
2: Yeah, exactly. And he really had to kill his brother. A real Rasputin death. Because mm-hmm. uh, he stabbed him once, stabbed him twice, set him on fire, cut his head off sword fought
0: him while he was on fire, and then, I
2: don't remember, it was a head cutting some kind
0: of impaling and or decapitating death. Uh, Yeah.
1: You know, he also saved countless other peasants that had been captured, too, but why was it this one girl was the one that would redeem him? I mean...
0: Well, because William said so.
1: He saved dozens and dozens of other people, at least if not hundreds, on his crusade to personal crusade to go find uh what's her name again meredith meredith
0: yeah it's also not clear why marcus marks meredith yeah to be the one that is so important anyways like it's very arbitrary Mm -hmm. i guess it's because solomon is showing a lot of fondness for the family the crowthorn family Uh, and i think that maybe marcus feels jealous of meredith Oh because yeah. Marcus knows that Solomon is his brother. Solomon does not know that the man in the skin mask is Marcus at this point. Yeah. Yeah. But so he chooses to mark Meredith and makes her the like the bait for this trap that is all designed around Kane. Kane is like like many protagonists in these films. Kane is the is is, is central to every plot point.
2: Yeah, it's true. But, uh, I think, in essence, what the ending is, right, is why he has to save her over so many other people. Yeah, she's marked and whatnot. And, yeah, he cares for her. But I think it's the method in which he saved her. Because, like we mentioned before, when it comes to an infinite flood of goons, right, there's actually no threat to him. And in (laughs) this last fight, he's fighting the sorcerer who has her hostage and this colossal demon. Yes. Yeah. And that's the first time he's in serious lethal danger. True. Right? Yeah. Or at least seems to be. Yeah, seems to be. And in this final scene, the he's facing the sorcerer and the demon is coming up from behind and instead of Fleeing the demon who's definitely about to kill him if he just stands where he is.
0: Oh yeah, gonna squash him like a bug.
2: Yeah, like you said, he takes the dirty shot, which means he fucks himself over. So he's definitely about to die, but he did it to save her, and I think that is the self-sacrifice you mentioned earlier. Okay. Right. Yeah. I think he could've offered himself for her as a trade, and that probably would've had the same end result. Right. Because it's just the idea that he's giving himself up for someone else is what ends up saving him. But, yeah, in this one he gets to shoot someone while doing
0: it. <laughs> Which is the ultimate redemption.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That that was something that was kind of iffy. Just, like, the sorcerer, he's bad. So shooting him is... You don't have to redeem that. <laughs> right. Because yeah. he's bad.
1: Right. <laughs>
2: I would connect this to the end of uh,
0: Rise of the Skywalkers, but uh, I don't want to spoil it for anybody.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, I think they it's nice that they had a redemption plot. And most stories, you know, it's nice when they end with a moral. But I think the method of redemption in this movie was very unclear. Yeah. And they probably should have focused that up a lot because not maybe not outright told the viewer right. but they tell the viewer what it means in multiple ways different points and it's it's confusing it's very messy yeah yeah yeah,
1: yeah.
0: instead they end on they uh, rely on the old standby end narration oh uh, yeah <laughs> yeah well guys this wouldn't be an episode of Swords and Satire if I didn't point out the inherent class struggle that's going on In the subtext of this film.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: Now, this one is a little bit more subtle than uh, some other films, but it's very much there. Besides the fact that we have Kane, the former, or I guess, I don't know if he ever be a former noble, the fallen noble who gives up his privileged life for a life of self-made piracy. Yeah. Success, but on his own account rather than from his uh, inheritance. That's kind of our, our big key to unlocking a lot of the themes of this movie. We've kind of talked about that already, though. But the big point that takes a little bit of unpacking is how Malachi is creating an army of the disenfranchised to fight the disenfranchised. Mm. He is uh, yeah. taking these, you know, the the characters that we see waylay Cain, the bandits that uh, cosh him over the head and knock him out and kind of lead to him ending up with the Crowthorne family, they're bandits, right? They're people who have been pushed to the periphery. They don't have a lot of opportunities. The only opportunity they have is through violence and exerting their will on others. Yeah. So these are the people that Malachi's men are recruiting and militarizing into a fighting force. And then the only people we see them overthrowing are peasantry. Right. We don't see them... St- the, they have taken over a castle, but specifically Cain's castle, because like I said, everything has to revolve, revolve around Cain. He's the, the main catalyst for all the action. But we don't hear about them taking over other kingdoms or anything. It is peasants enslaving other peasants and imprisoning other peasants. It Keeping is a- them
1: busy fighting each other so that they don't look to the one controlling all of them precisely rise up against that person
0: precisely (laughs) because we we don't see any evidence that Malachi is individually strong enough to keep everybody else at bay he just happens to be able to control enough of this angry uh, brutal fighting force to continually enslave and imprison the townsfolk at these various kind of small settlements and you know we see like this scene where Cain is uh Riding up to basically a diaspora, like a a refugee caravan kind of leaving this burning town. And Cain is kind of shocked and horrified when he sees it. That's when he goes to the church later on. But, you know, all these people are losing their homes for no real reason. Just to, they are all pawns. ...being used to get Cain to come closer and closer. Right. There doesn't seem to be any real motive to causing this chaos... ...other than to attract Cain's attention. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's fair.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, just the way that, you know, much like in reality... Uh, ...people in power rely on the most vulnerable of the populations... To fight in wars that, you know, are kind of... That that the people who are fighting in them don't really have any vested interest in other than the profits that they can individually make.
1: Right.
0: Then on that note, I guess it's time for Evil, Stupid, or Misunderstood. The part of the show where we look at the villain of the film and determine if they were Evil, Stupid, or Misunderstood.
1: So hear me out. I think Malachi is evil and stupid. Okay. Because um, a lot of the points you were just bringing up, it and something we talked about before as well, he's just imprisoning all these peasants for no apparent reason. He's not, like, going to... I mean, he's evil, so, right? He's, he. Other evil characters might, like, have the point of, like, wanting to enslave people to use them in some kind of blood sacrifice or ritual or something. He doesn't want to do anything like that. He just kind of is keeping them in a cage just because he can. And um, it's pretty stupid because if he wants to maintain power, then he should be forcing them to work to bring him goods.
0: Yeah, taxing Mm -hmm. the shit out of them. Like like any good king or evil king.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, he's not accumulating anything. He's right. just causing chaos I mean, everywhere. he's
0: creating a prison industrial complex. If that's his plan, then but I guess he's doing all right. It's
1: not really a, a complex. They're not doing anything. They're just swallowing in cages. So- well, we,
0: we don't know who the prison contractors are who are building these dungeons.
1: <laughs> well, uh, yeah, okay. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Nah, he's just a, he's crazy. <laughs> he's, he's, he's out of he's control. Out of control. I out mean, out. he's
1: like working for the devil, but the devil, <laughs> I can't say that the devil is very gonna be very happy with what Malachi has been doing because he's not no
0: he has not <laughs> represented the devil well at all.
1: What would the devil even be wanting to him to do? Corrupting people? So I guess like he's halfway there. He's corrupting some people, right?
0: Yeah, I suppose so.
1: And, uh, enslaving others, but he. I, you would think the devil would want him to enslave people for some kind of purpose. Yeah, he, <laughs> the
2: devil would have an end goal in mind. Right. I think it was just to get Solomon's soul. Maybe. Just all of it. But it's a that. lot of work for one soul. Yeah, but Solomon is the main character. That's a good point. And everything revolves around him. You're not wrong. In this film. <laughs> so why wouldn't the devil do it all just for Solomon?
0: I mean, look at the title of the movie. It's named after Solomon Kane. It's
2: true. <laughs> it's not look at Satan's moral gray agenda. <laughs> That's it's a movie a... I want to watch, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well,
1: that
2: I does think... sound really interesting.
1: it's I mean, the devil as, like, a faceless villain in this film is evil but unknowable.
0: Right. So. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to believe that Malachi is actually just, like, a basically one of those middle managers that never communicates with corporate, who's just like, oh... <laughs> I totally, you know, I just got word from down low that says, like, uh, you guys totally need to go take over this kingdom. And Satan's just not even paying attention to Malachi. And and Malachi's like, oh, yeah, the Solomon Cain guy. His soul is really important. So he, like, sends some of his uh, kind of toadies to go and, like, grab a demon from the warehouse and bring it out to the thing. And... You know, Satan's got no idea what's going on. If he knew what was going on, he'd be like, what a waste of all my resources. Come on.
1: You'd think if Malachi was really on his A-game, he would be turning more peasants into vampire or ghoul creatures like he did with that one village.
0: Yeah, cursing the
2: earth. Right. Like a good, bad villain. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I'm going to have to... That's given me some inspiration for the side quest. Ooh. Nice. Yeah, yeah.
1: You had some stuff, Jack, to say about Marcus.
2: Marcus... He he's out of control too. You're right. You know. He yeah. Like when I you're said, right, you're right. Like I said, as a young man, he was a jerk. Yep. Right? Pushing
1: people around.
2: Probably yeah, trying to <laughs> either
0: physically and or sexually assaulting somebody on the cliffs.
2: Yep. Uh beating up family, beating up friends, beating up him, himself. You know, probably inside. <laughs> and no bully wants to be a bully, right? Except for he does. I don't he know does. if that's true. <laughs> Who knows? How but
1: would, uh, How would you designate him based on our uh, criteria? Evil. Just evil? Just
2: evil. Just evil. Just evil. And then when he's a leather face, I, I, it, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't seem like he actually has any thoughts of his own... Yeah. Uh, well, maybe sometimes there's, like, a hint of his old self. That's true. Every time he sees Solomon, he acts differently. Yeah. Like, he clearly recognizes Solomon, and he doesn't kill him when he comes across him, When uh, the like, two or three times before their final fight scene. I got the impression that he
0: might have been basically just a puppet of Malachi with almost no autonomy. For the most
2: part. Yeah, the dad was saying that he does whatever... Mr. Sorcerer tells him to Malachor. Yeah. yeah.
0: Mr. Sorcerer, I was way my more favorite show than Mr.
2: Wizard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh the da- the dad was probably the stupid one for yes. selling the bloodline to yeah. Satan. And classic folly. Marcus was just kind of like, "Please, I was dead. Just let, <laughs> me, let me die." <laughs> I was unpleasant. Why would you bring me back? He's
1: <laughs> terrible like, choice. Just pet cemetery, not even really there.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Well, I think we nailed that one.
0: I know we nailed it. And that means. Oh! (laughs) Dang! (laughs) That means it's time to rate this bad boy in the traditional system. Which means I'm going to go around and ask you each to give me an epic moment from this movie, and then rate it between one and ten swords. Chelsea, why don't you go first?
1: So, my epic moment is uh, when Solomon, Edgelord Kane, nuts and pulls himself off the cross. Oh my god. And,
0: uh... You think he has an (laughs) orgasm when that happens?
1: He kind of seems to.
0: Wow. He
1: loves violence and pain, after all. He can't get enough of it. True. Um... So he just pulls his own hands through the nails, which have no head, so it's really easy to do. And um, he unties himself and just kind of falls down. I think he has supernatural healing abilities or something, because he doesn't fucking break anything or nothing comes out of the socket when he falls to the ground.
0: Well, I mean, this movie is raining the whole time. Like, he falls on the softest earth. (laughs)
1: Um, so that was a pretty epic moment when he (laughs) saved himself, his own self from crucifixion. I'm gonna give this movie a six out of ten swords actually because it was pretty entertaining and even though it was ridiculous and it had a lot of things that we could talk about and pick apart so it was interesting to to talk about so
0: very respectable rating all things considered jack your epic moment and your rating
2: Hmm. my epic moment we already mentioned it was the purgatory at the end where he and meredith are smiling at each other in an embrace (laughs) and you're like oh god is it gonna happen is it gonna happen it gave me flashbacks to Pacific Rim 2. And it had a very similar vibe to the end of this film. Where it was like, this is too close to like what, what a romantic scene would look like. And I swear to you, every person in that theater was holding their breaths... Praying that they would not kiss in that scene, Don't and then there was this. just a snowball fight. And we were all, there was like a sigh of relief, oh, God.
1: <laughs> just
2: because that it was directed just like a kiss scene would happen
1: in this movie.
2: Both movies. Oh yeah, it that, was. that's why this gave me flashbacks. But yeah, luckily neither of these movies did it,
1: yeah. and. uh...
2: I think it's neat that they were friends in this one. That they're like family members. It was yeah. like he was saving a niece. Right. I, if there was a sequel, uh, God smote the sequel of this. <laughs> <laughs> it did not come it out. It could not be. There could have been a romantic subplot there. Oh yeah, they um, would have. They would have ridiculed
0: the shit out of this.
2: Yep, yep. But uh, there you go. That was my epic moment. My flashback.
0: My awful flashback.
2: <laughs>
0: the epic moment happened in your head. <laughs> exactly. How about your rating? Uh,
2: I'm going to give this movie uh, five swords and a sword breaker dagger. Nice. Yes, which he uses in the movie.
1: Nice.
2: Uh, it was fun. I like it. It's a pretty much an action movie. I think for the most part, so I can turn my brain off for a lot of it. Except it had to be on so I could analyze it. I liked it, I think, more the first time I ever saw it because my brain could just be fully off. But since I had to analyze it this time, I think it dropped a well. Ouch! Yeah, yeah. A scathing indictment of Solomon Kane. Yeah, but uh, I still enjoy watching it. It's fun. It don't read into it. That's all I'm gonna say. Turn off your brain. All right, that's fair. We've done all the thinking for you. It's true. What do you think about this movie, Jamie?
0: Well, I think my epic moment has got to be when we finally get the origin story for Solomon's cloak, hat, and red sash (laughs) that play major roles in the rest of the movie. Um, We we see that Solomon kind of gets his outfit from Meredith, which is basically all the bonding we get between... Him and the living MacGuffin, sadly, that is Meredith. Because that's basically what her role is um, relegated to. And then there's this moment where after he's killed this army of converted, you know, peasant banditry, he sees this cloak laying in the ground and he swoops it up onto his shoulder and he pulls a red sash out of the mud and ties it around his waist. And like rides off on a horse and rides up on these two guys, or no, these two guys are riding up on him or something. And he pulls out two pistols and like blows both of them off of their horses. Yeah. It's just like the, uh, it's like the moment when you see Captain America first getting his shield or Iron Man coming out with the Iron Man suit. Mm. Just, you know, just not as good as any of those moments. No, it was, it was a fun, ridiculous romp. Um, I think I'm going to give this movie Six Swords. It's competently shot. There's some decent cinematography. It is the muddiest, rainiest movie I've ever seen, so that probably loses up some points. The plot is razor thin. Um, the characters are are very flat and almost non-existent. But it's a good time. Um, I'm, I really enjoyed breaking it down with you guys, so I think Six Swords is a respectable rating for it. Nice. It's- well, it looks like we don't have any bounties for you this week, so we can jump right into Rewriting History, the part of the podcast where we look at the movie we just watched and then come up with an idea for a sequel, a reboot, or a spinoff.
1: Jack had a really good idea I wanted to roll with uh, about Solomon Kane becoming like a youth pastor or something. Yeah,
2: Solomon Kane, directed by Lin Manuel Miranda, a <laughs> <laughs> musical where he has a rap battle against the Satan. <laughs> the Satan. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where when he. Uh, d- You know, he's been a pirate He's been pretty cutthroat He fell out from his family But he finds Jesus at this He was a camp. pirate He was a Puritan And now he's a youth pastor Exactly And, uh, you know, they let him work at that monastery for a while Yeah And then uh, almost a direct rip-off of not throwing away my shot from hamilton he he talks about how he has to travel england spreading the good word right
0: (laughs) he has to make a
2: name for himself and for the man upstairs and he kisses his fingers and points to the sky right (laughs) and uh the you know the priests are just like dope Nice. And so he leaves. He has a rap song about how he's going to make it big in the world. Now he's going to build a church, right? Are, are Something we gonna like that.
0: Are, are we going to get Lynn to play Solomon?
2: Yes. Nice. Oh, nice. I yes. love it. That's great. And uh,
1: Yeah, he could go around rebuilding... Churches helping people rebuild their homes that have been ransacked.
2: Yeah, it's true. And then, uh, you know, there could be some deep emotional mentor songs from that family he encounters.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. They change
2: him profoundly. He has to grow up a little bit. And he keeps losing people. It's just analogous from for Hamilton, you know?
1: Do you think in this rewrite, he would um, his powers would be less of the combat uh persuasion and he would be more of a faith
2: healer oh yes totally his, his whole thing is inspiring others right and he gets this following and everywhere he goes he keeps running into marcus and they have a rap battle oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and he keeps just laying it on hard and you know he's savage we all know solomon do you, do you want to sing a thing of the few excerpts from that Oh, man, I wish, but uh, (laughs) I'm under contract right now. It's not released yet. That's uh, fair. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, and at at the very end, you know, he has a rap battle against... uh, He thinks it's going to be against Malachi, but Malachi's just the hype man for the demon that comes out the portal, right? Oh, damn. Yeah, yeah, and then... Here's a twist ending, right? Right as Solomon, like, falls to his knees, right? Because he's just been dissed so hard, he, like, (laughs) vomits blood, right? It's really bad. Cutting words, like, straight out of D&D, right? Oh, yeah. And he's like, this is a very Lin-Manuel Miranda moment, where it reflects on everyone he's lost. He's accepting his own fate. He knows that he wouldn't have won. He's kind of losing hope a little bit. When his brother, who he thought he had dissed to death,
0: <laughs>
2: starts laying down a fat beat for him, and mm-hmm. that's the that's how he reconnects with his brother.
1: Nice, you oh, know, man. a little
2: redemption between brothers, I and like then it. the fat beat. Uh, you know, he Solomon just kind of picks it up.
1: He, it heals him. It, it, it gives him power again.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then Meredith comes in with the chorus. Oh, damn. And then together they like do like a little Fortnite dance or something. A little hip (laughs) hop.
1: And then they T-pose over the guy and the
2: demon. And then the demon just like explodes with golden light. Yo, this (laughs) remix is straight fire. Yeah, and then then Marka and then Malachi catches on fire.
0: (laughs) Yes.
1: He's been burned so
0: hard. Yes. Yes, the sickest of burns.
2: Yeah, Yeah, and then it just ends with a shot of Solomon on the throne saying, Damn, it's good to be the king. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. I love it. And then, oh, there's like the Gregorian chanting from the youth christians in the background yeah. and then he's rapping over it <laughs> oh wow that's like
1: he's narrating what's gonna happen for all of them going forward yeah it's it? true yeah. oh can
0: he, he can even start with like that opening like explanatory chorus. narration song and chorus yeah yeah Greek yeah. Yeah. style wow yeah. i can't wait to hear this guys yeah.
1: that's awesome
2: this is what the directors envisioned <laughs> i'm sure it is yeah they just didn't have the funding they just yeah, need yeah. a
1: little bit of help from you know people like us yeah it's true yeah.
0: they get by with a little help from us who will eventually be their friends mm-hmm.
1: nice
0: <laughs> well now that we have a sweet spin-off to work on i think we would better jump to the side quest
2: Well, I thought for a side quest this week to recommend something not exactly the same. In fact, I think it takes place 200 years after this movie, but it's got a similar vibe. Uh, Penny Dreadful. Oh, yeah. Not exactly a sword in satire, but uh, it's pretty good nonetheless. It's that grim, dark Victorian England setting. Definitely Mm -hmm.
1: dark fantasy, so it still fits.
2: Yeah, yeah. There's Draculas in it. And uh, werewolves. Witches? Yep. Yeah, it's got everything you need. Every, all,
0: all the things that matter. Is Homunculi? there a mummy?
2: Homunculi.
0: Homunculi. Yeah. Is there a mummy in, in, in some of that? I don't remember. There's an Egyptologist, I know. So.
2: Yeah, it's true. And it has heavy Christian tones as well. Not going to lie, there's a Satan in that as well. Oh, yeah. yeah so. A
0: literal devil.
2: He's a
1: sexy Satan.
2: Yes, it's true. Is there any other kind? <laughs> it takes a bit of a step away from Solomon Kane. not that they have anything to do with each other <laughs> or do they oh man cinematic universe let's go but uh Penny Dreadful is a little less action packed it's still there but it doesn't quite focus on that as much as it does kind of morality intellectual dilemmas it taking almost a scientific and poetic approach mm-hmm. to the world of the unknown mm-hmm. A lot of moral gray areas.
0: Interesting
1: occult practices.
2: And let me tell you one reason why I recommend it so highly. It's three seasons, pretty short, and it comes to a conclusion. They planned out the entire thing. You don't have to, you know, it's no Firefly where you're never going to get a resolution. (laughs) Too soon, Jack. Yes, it's no Supernatural where it's like 20 seasons and you can never sit through it. It's a good amount of length. And you get what you want.
0: But now there's that new spinoff that just
2: came out. Or it's is coming true. Out. What
1: is it called again?
2: Uh, City of Angels, I think. I want to watch it. It's more modern. Yeah. So <clears throat> watch Penny Dreadful. We highly recommend it. We're going to be watching City of Angels. And if you watch it with us, you know, hit us up on social media. DM us on Instagram or Facebook, wherever. Email us. And um uh, We can rap about City of Angels. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we'll sit in our chairs backwards and turn our baseball caps sideways. Yeah, yeah.
1: Also, if you watch Penny Dreadful, you can let us know what you think also.
2: Yeah, Yeah. also the next... As long as you
0: like it. If you don't like it, don't bother. Yeah, Yeah, truer words, you know. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, thank you, everyone, for listening to our show. Um, We hope that... We made you laugh or made you think or made you think and laugh, which is the two things that you should be doing (laughs) every day. You should always be thinking, always be laughing. Eat, pray, love. (laughs) Something (laughs) like that. Eat, slay, love. Oh, man. (laughs) Um, Like Jack said, if you like us, feel free to jump on the Facebook or Instagram. We're Swords and Satire. You can, of course, listen to us on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcast. and if you're really so inclined, go ahead and jump on the Apple Podcast and send us a little review, especially if it's a five-star review, because that would be really swell, and we'd appreciate it, and we would uh, send you some real nice uh, thoughts
2: your way <laughs> if you did that for us. Tell every stranger you see on the streets That you love swords and satire And one day it might be one of us And we'd really appreciate it
0: <laughs> If that happens You are getting the biggest high five Of all time Yep. And on that note Until next time Hail, Hail Crom!